Thank you for choosing to listen to the sermons of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. We meet at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. And if you're ever in our area, we would love to have you as our guests. If you live in our area, we would love to study the Bible with you. You can call us anytime to study a Bible study or just to gain more information at 205-486-9247. Also visit our website, 9thAvenueCofC.com or check us out on Facebook by simply searching for 9th Avenue Church of Christ. Now we hope you'll join us for a study of God's Word as we seek to follow Him each and every day from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We're talking about overcoming. What a precious, precious thought uh, to think about. The Lord wrote seven letters to seven different congregations in Asia. There was a letter to Ephesus, a letter to Smyrna, one to Pergamos, one to Thyatira, one to Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. There were eight common characteristics in all those letters. Each letter was from the Lord. Ah, that's sobering to think about. Maybe 60 years since the Lord had graced this earth in person, walking on the earth, and now they get a letter from the Lord. Each letter was addressed to the angel of that particular congregation or the messenger of that congregation. Each letter contained at least one attribute or more of the Lord himself. Each letter stressed the Lord's omniscience. I know. And that still is a very comforting thought to me that the Lord knows. Each letter also was filled with one of three ways it was written. One was commendation. The church at Philadelphia, the church at Smyrna, received all commendation. There was condemnation. The church at Laodicea, the whole letter, was a letter of condemnation. And then there was a combination of both. Commendation, condemnation. Like the church at Ephesus, the church at Pergamos, the church at Thyatira, and the church at... uh, Sardis. And you, you think about these letters and you think about what might be applicable to the church that you're part of. Which one of these letters would be most likely sent to the church at Double Springs? That's always been kind of sobering for me uh, to think about. But we're talking about overcoming in this theme in the, in, for this meeting. And you just think about that word. It is a very powerful word. I've said numerous times, it's a word that throbs with meaning for every child of God. Seventeen times in the book of Revelation, you find that word or form of it, overcoming. I think of that time in chapter 2 and verse 7, to the church at Ephesus, he said, if you will overcome, you'll be able to eat of the tree of life in the midst of the paradise of God. And then the last time, in chapter 21, we will talk about overcoming a couple of times in that chapter. Shall inherit all things, he said, if you will overcome. And uh, so we're talking about overcoming. And you think about the command that we have to overcome, Romans 12 and verse number 21. 
Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. We find an example of those who did overcome. We think about those young men that John wrote to in 1 John 2 and verse 14. He said, I write unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. We realize that the Lord overcame, and he is our example, and he's our source of strength for us overcoming. In Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11, the whole chapter up to that point had dealt with the devil. And the Bible says, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. And I have encouraged you this week, if you will put your trust in the blood of Christ, if you will rely upon the word of God, and if you will be so faithful that you would die for the cause of Christ, you will be one of those who overcomes. Think about overcoming sin and overcoming the grave, overcoming death, overcoming the devil, and being able to be a part of heaven. When the Lord wrote to these seven congregations, every one of these near the end of the letter, uh, he would have a certain reward that he would talk to them about overcoming. And I want to mention those just as we began. You think about the reward that is offered to Christians. Uh, I love the statement in Matthew 5 and verse 12. For great is your reward in heaven. Hebrews 10 and verse 35. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. In Matthew 16 and verse 27. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels. Then shall he reward every man according to his works. To the church at Ephesus in Revelation 2 and verse 7, as I just gave you a moment ago. To him that overcometh. Will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Think about that tree being removed from the garden in Genesis chapter 3. And now for the opportunity to partake of that tree and live forever. To the church at Smyrna, the Lord said, If you will be faithful unto death, I'll give you a crown of life. And then he said, If you will overcome, in verse 11... You shall not be hurt of the second death. You know, we know what the second death is. The Bible tells us plainly. Revelation chapter 20 and Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8. And chapter 20 verse 14 and 15. The second death is that lake which burneth with fire and brim. We deserve to go there. Romans 6 verse 23. But the Lord said, if you will overcome, you will not be hurt by that. Think of that place. For the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night. Revelation 14 verse 11. Think about that place in Luke 16 described where a man would beg for one drop of water. And the answer forever would be no. And if you'll overcome, you'll not be hurt by that. To the church at Pergamos, the Lord talked about giving them... Hidden manna. Think about the story of manna of the Old Testament. Think about being sustained. They were told that they would receive a stone with their name on it. They would be so special. Then you think about the church at Thyatira. They were told if they would overcome that there would be a victory. 
that they would receive the morning star, which is Christ himself. To the church at Sardis, they were told that they would be clothed in in white raiment, and their name would not be blotted out of the book of life, but it would be confessed before the Father and before his angels. To the church at Philadelphia, they were told that they would be made a pillar, a P-I-L-L-A-R, a pillar in God's temple. Think about that sense of permanence and unmovable part of God's special place. And then even the church at Laodicea, that the Lord had nothing good to say. He said, if you'll repent, if you'll become zealous, and if you'll overcome, notice what he said in chapter 3, verse 21. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and I'm set down with my Father in his throne. I want to talk to you for the next few minutes about they that overcome get to come over and be with the Lord. Johnny Ramsey made that statement real often. If we will overcome, we get to come over and live with the Lord. Just think about that privilege of living with the Lord. The psalmist said in Psalm 23 and verse 6, Yea, uh, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Abraham, Hebrews 11 and verse 10, Look for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Paul often would talk about that inheritance. Romans chapter 8 and verse 17 and verse 18. Being heirs. Peter would talk about it in 1 Peter chapter 1 beginning in verse 3. An inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away. Reserved in heaven for us. Oh, just think about coming over to the Lord. I want to notice with you five points. Number one, they that overcome get to come over and behold their God. Just think about the privilege of seeing the Lord. We'll be able to go to his very special dwelling place. Matthew 6 verse 9, the Lord taught the disciples to pray, Our Father, which art in heaven. Matthew 7 verse 21, Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father... Who is in heaven? Just think about being able to be there and to behold him. We've sung about that even in our songs tonight. Brother Nichols one time invited, uh, was invited by Brother Wendell Winkler to come to Dallas to speak on a lectureship. And he assigned Brother Nichols the topic, why I want to go to heaven. He envisioned Brother Nichols, just gave him 45 minutes, he needed hours, But he envisioned Brother Nichols having about 12 reasons why he wanted to go to heaven. And he had more than that, but he only spoke on one. And he used his 45 minutes to talk about, I want to go to heaven to behold my God. Alan Hires tells the story of a gentleman that every time he ever prayed in public, somewhere in that prayer he would talk about, the privilege to go to heaven, and he would always conclude it with this little thought, and that will be enough. And Brother Heyer said, he asked him one time, he said, Brother, why do you always say in your prayers, and that will be enough? 
And he said, well, I've heard preachers talk about degrees of punishment and, and uh, you know, degrees of reward in heaven. And he said, if I can just get there and behold my God, that'll be enough. And we think about that goal that we have of seeing our God. In Revelation 21 and verse 3 and chapter 22 and verse 3 and 4, it says, and we shall see him. In Psalm 17 and verse 15, and we shall behold his face in righteousness. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Matthew 5 and verse 8. Think about the God, the God of a second chance. This last April the 28th, it was 50 years ago. I can't believe I'm that old. But it was 50 years ago, last April the 28th, in Savannah, Tennessee, that I was baptized in Christ. How many times have I been dependent on God being the God of a second chance? In those 50 years. God is the God of the fourth generation. He's faithful. He's the God of the fifth sparrow. He cares about us all. He's the God of the 11th hour. So patient. He's the God of a thousand hills. He owns it all. And oh, to be able to see Him. The one who saved me by His grace. The one who's been so patient and so long-suffering to me. The one who is holy, holy, holy. The one who's from everlasting to everlasting. The Lord God omnipotent, the Almighty. And would love someone like me? Behold, what manner of love the Father's bestowed upon us. First John 3 and verse number 1. For God so, look at that little adverb of two letters. For God so loved the world. And if God so loved us, 1 John 4 and verse 11, John 3 and verse 16. Brother Hugo McCord used to say in Romans 5, when the Bible says God commended His love toward us, while we were sinners and while we were enemies and while we were ungodly, Brother McCord said the Lord reached down with a big bucket. And truly it has been a big bucket of love for us all. Unto Him that loved us and washed us from our sins. You think about that great mercy and great love wherewith He had loved us. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 4. And you think about how He's provided for us. You just think about every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father above. James 1.17 He's made His sun to shine on us, the rain to fall on us, Matthew 5 and verse 45. He's given us fruitful seasons, filled our hearts with food and gladness, Acts 14 and verse number 17. Think about the smells. Just think about the wonderful smells that come up through our nostrils from flowers. Think about taste, the food. You know, He could have just made it where it was just all bland, you just put so much. But no, He made it with taste, and isn't that precious? And think about our families. Some of you are grandparents. I know about grandparenting now. People say great-grandchildren's even better than the grands. And I'm telling you, I spent some time yesterday with two of mine, got my skin that's been grafted on my nose, blistered a little bit more at a fishing derby up in the forest, and I loved every minute of it. And I don't deserve that. If my little old grandkids come through that door right now, they'd probably just run up here and give me a hug right in front of everybody. They don't care. <laughs> but I'll tell you, God's been good to this old boy. 
God is so gracious. If you've tasted that the Lord is gracious and he's been so long-suffering, and one day we'll see him. And think about seeing Jesus. What a day we sing that will be when my Jesus I shall see. And we sing face to face shall I behold him. And you just think. I mean, I look forward to heaven. I look forward to different things about it. But the sweetest of all is where Jesus said, I am, there you may be also. And just think about the first time you get to see the Lord. I know we'll see him in his coming. But think about that first time when you just get to spend a little time by yourself with him and thank him. To fall down on your knees and thank him for going to the cross for you. Oh, I look forward to that so much. We sing a song, who am I that a king would bleed and die for? You think about the Lord, his love for us. You know, there's some things in the Bible that are just, I call them superlatives. Like peace that passeth understanding, God's uh, wisdom and all these things that are just expelled out in such marvelous ways. But Ephesians 3 and verse 19 says that his love passeth knowledge. And you think about being able to see him. Think about the Holy Spirit. You think about that role of revelation and inspiration and confirmation and preservation of the scriptures for you and for me. And just think about how he's been with you. Three weeks ago today, at this very hour, we had a 1.30 service at Pickwick. I was preaching. My brother was sitting right over here on my right. We had eaten together. I didn't know that I was about to see him the last time I'd ever see him. And on Monday night, when I went back to preach, when I got to the building, he'd already been killed in a car accident. I didn't get it, the news until the service was over and I started to leave and I got that call. And I went to the hospital at Savannah to be with my sister-in-law. And we spent two hours there with doctors and state troopers. And then I had the task of going and breaking that news to my elderly mother. I prayed, God help me. I, I couldn't hardly word a prayer. All I could say is, Lord, help me. Romans 8 talks about the role of the Holy Spirit interceding at times when we're so torn, so hurt. And I was able to go in that house and my mother ready for bed to break the news to her that her beloved son had been killed in a car accident. And I look forward to seeing the Holy Spirit who has sustained me on occasions like that and been my companion as a down payment of heaven itself and a seal of my approval before God. He that overcomes get to come to, get to come over and see the Lord. But secondly, think about they that overcome get to come over to a reunion of all the righteous who've ever lived. Just think about all the people that will be in heaven. I think about the little ones. Like David said, that died in infancy that we can't bring back, but we can go to. I lost a little sister when I was four years old of spina bifida. Her name was Priscilla. Her middle name was Carrene, just like my mom. 
I anticipate seeing her again. Joni and I lost a baby between faith and charity. I anticipate that reunion. You think about the little ones. Just think about those that were safe. And think about those that were saved from their sins and life. And you think about those of the patriarchal age and the mosaical age and the Christian age. And to be able to be with them again. I could probably spend ten minutes of thinking about people right here at Ninth Avenue. People that I have known that have gone on. And people that still in my mind bring me great courage and strength just to think about them. And to be able to see them again. To sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, Matthew chapter 8 verse 11. To think of those in Hebrews chapter 11. My, no wonder we sing, won't it be wonderful there. My grandfather died when my dad was six years old. My grandfather was killed. He was a gospel preacher. I've never seen him. But I expect to. And I think about those in our families that have gone on that were righteous. Some of you have lost mates. Some of you have lost children. Some of you have lost grandchildren. So many of us have lost siblings. And oh, to be able to be reunited with them. Paul to the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 4. He said, this is a comfort that we have the anticipation of being together forever. Paul would say in 2 Timothy chapter 4, it's not just for me, but for all those who've loved his appearing. And you think about those people that you've worshipped with and you've enjoyed sweet fellowship. And that will be renewed. And I look forward to that. In Revelation chapter 7, John talked about people from all over this world. Kindreds. I see Ricky and Ashley Berger sitting at the back. And Ricky's been all over this world. He's followed L.T. Gerganus and a lot of other people, Wayne Barrier and others, all over the world. And you think about people that you've never met before and you've never seen. So many a different color from you. And all to be able to be with them forever. I look forward to that. Number three, they that overcome get to come over to the most beautiful place ever. We sing how beautiful heaven must be. We sing in heaven they're singing. We read of its beauty, but somehow we know its glory has never been told. Revelation 21 it talks about as a bride adorned for her husband. Oh, I'm telling you, those ladies don't leave any stone unturned that day. And you think about the Lord saying heaven is like that. Think about a place that's, so to speak, lit with the glory of God. You've seen some beautiful sights here. The psalmist talked about maybe lying it down at night. Psalm chapter 8, beholding the stars and God's the work of his fingers. And this is a beautiful world. This is our Father's world, we sing. And you think about those colors of fall and the flowers and the mountains and the clouds and the snow and the sunrises and the sunsets, the valleys, the birds, the butterflies, the rainbows, the aged saints, little kids with freckles and old people with wrinkles. It's all so beautiful. And think about that city of gold with a street of pure gold, 
Twelve foundations of precious stones, gates of pearl, walls of jasper adorned with all manner of precious stones. The river of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God. The tree of life in the midst of the paradise of God. They that overcome get to come over to the most beautiful place ever. Number four, they that overcome get to come over to a place where all the burdens of life are removed. Man's not long here. Job said that in Job 14. So he's full of troubles. Troubles come, it seems. Job said in Job 6, If you were weigh my grief and my calamity, it weigh more than the sand of the sea. Some of you have been there. You think about struggles with health and storms and crime and persecution, relationship struggles, sense consequences, aging, loneliness, death. I'll tell you, being right with God doesn't always bring cash, comfort, and a Cadillac. But we're not to heaven yet. There is a place if we overcome where all the burdens of life will be removed. We cry out sometimes here as Nehemiah did, Nehemiah 13, 14, as Job did. Oh God, remember me. And aren't we thankful that he does in all of our struggles? He's promised never to leave us nor to forsake us. Hebrews 13 and verse 5 and 6. Aren't we thankful that we have a throne to come to that we can pray and find grace to help in time of need? And God, even through these struggles, and I'm waiting patiently for God to work out, even for good, the tragedy that has come to our family. Oh, to be free at last, at rest. There's a song that talks about our poem. Think of stepping on shore and finding it heaven. Think of taking hold of a hand and finding it God's hand. Think of breathing new air and finding it celestial air. Think of feeling invigorated and finding it immortality. Think of passing from storm and tempest to an unknown calm. Think of waking up and finding it home. In a place where there's no more illness, no more pain, no more suffering anymore. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there will be no more pain. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more crying. For the former things are passed away. Just think of a place where there's no more cancer. Think of a place where there's no more heart disease. Where there are no more strokes. There's no Parkinson. There's no fibromyalgia. There's no forms of arthritis. No aplastic anemia. Some of you have no idea what that is, but I can show you a grave that holds the remains of a 32-year-old mother of two precious little girls. MSA, multiple systems atrophy. Judy Kilpatrick in our audience, she could tell you quite clearly what that is of her sister's husband at Double Springs. No more blindness, no more deafness, no more depression, no more handicaps. Nine precious little grandchildren of ours, one has autism. No more mental retardation, no aging, 
You probably don't know anybody, I still know one or two, that were afflicted with polio. Jack Exum had a son with polio. That little boy would ask his daddy when he couldn't play ball and he couldn't run up and down steps like other kids did. And he asked his daddy one time, he said, will there be any polio victims in heaven? And Brother Jack said, no, not a one. And that little boy said, I can hardly wait to go. I'm going to run up and down them steps and I'm going to play ball. And he just talked about things that he was going to do. Just think about a place where there's no more pain. Some of you probably have taken a pain pill today. No more arthritis, migraines, back pain. And I heard people talk about sciatic nerve pain down your leg. And I thought, oh, it can't be that bad until I had me a case of it. And I'm telling you, at 5 o'clock in the morning going over the hill of the Brookwood Hospital, those lights looked mighty good. And I knew I was going to get stuck by needles a few times, but I anticipated that to get some relief. No more pain. Think about no more death. Death will die, we say. First Corinthians 15, verse 26. Proverbs 30 said that death can never be satisfied. It never says it's enough. And it just keeps claiming. Right now, some of you, I know you've been to the funeral home here at Pinkard for Miss Aquila. Precious elder in the church at Curry, his funeral will start at 3 o'clock. No more death. No more death. Of your family, of our brethren, of our friends, and our own. A little 12-year-old girl in Luke chapter 8 had died. And the Bible says that they all wept and bewailed her. Imagine when those babies were killed in Matthew chapter 2. And Jeremiah, hundreds of years before, talked about that weeping. Can you imagine those mamas? Little children taken from their breast and killed. There's been so much hurt from death in this world. It caused my Lord to weep in John chapter 11 at the heartache that death brought to the home of Mary and Martha. And think about a place where there are no more tears. Oh, that my head were a fountain, my uh, my head were watered, my eyes a fountain, Jeremiah said, that I might weep day and night for the daughters of my people. Jesus beheld the city of Jerusalem, Luke 19 and verse 41, and he wept over it. Tears in the garden, Hebrews 5 and verse 7. Paul often referred to his many tears, 2 Corinthians 2 verse 4, Acts 20, and that dissertation with the Ephesian elders. Many tears. You think about disappointments and broken dreams, broken promises. How many times has somebody sat in my midst and said, you know, my mate doesn't love me anymore. And tears just trickle down their face. Think about poverty and losses somewhere right now. I promise you, somewhere right now, close by, somebody's weeping. In heaven, there'll be no more tears. No more separations caused by death or anything else. I remember when my oldest brother went off to college. He went to first to Fred Hardeman and then he went to Oklahoma Christian. We didn't have a telephone. And uh, he left and we didn't hear from him for a week. Mama started watching the mailbox the very next day. To get a letter back from Oklahoma. And there will be no more separations. 
Some of you are separated now from people because of jobs, military service, and death. No more separations. No more struggles and no more anxieties. I think about that little adverb of three letters in Luke 16, 25. Abraham said to the rich man, Now, now, Lazarus is comforted. All the struggles and the heartaches he had in life, but no more. Just think about a place where there's no overbearing bosses, no sleepless nights. A place of no decay. Peter said everything will be new. Incorruptible. Think about a place where there's no night. All oh, the nights get long sometimes when you can't sleep or when you're hurting. Think about no more car wrecks, no plane crashes, no armies, no guns, no nuclear weapons, no abuse, no terrorists, no violence, no pills, no surgeries, no hospitals, no dialysis centers, no nursing homes, no funeral homes, no wheelchairs, no falls. I caution my mother all the time about falling. Sometimes she looks up at me and she says, well, Vance, I'm not going to fall on purpose. I said, Mom, I know that, but I know what a fall. Right now, we've put two new people in a nursing home at Double Springs in the last four days, and both of them because of falls. No more, think about it, no more paralysis, no more crutches or walkers or dentures or glasses or hearing aids. Oh, think of a home over there. Don't you want to go? And be there forever. Just think about a place where you will be forever and not ever want to leave. I've been in a lot of places where I wish I was somewhere else. But when you're in this place and you've been there a trillion years, you won't want to be anywhere else. It just has one end. It's kind of like the little boy that loved peppermint candy. That soft kind, you know. You don't get that everywhere. He said, I wish I had a stick of that that just had one end. And that's the beginning. <laughs> well, that's the way of heaven. It's just one end, and that's the beginning. I'll exchange my cross for a starry crown where the gates swing outward never. At his feet I'll lay every burden down. And with Jesus live forever. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. They that overcome. They get to come over and be with the Lord. They get to come over to a place of beauty. They get to come over to a place of reunion. They get to come over to a place where all the burdens of life are removed. But also, they get to come over and worship and serve their God forever and ever with people from all over this world. Today is Sunday. You know, it took 23 hours to get Sunday started all the way around this world today. It's already Monday in lots of places in this world, but it took 23 hours to get it all started. But you know what? When we get to heaven, there'll just be one time zone. We'll all be in the same time zone. 
And I look forward to that. And I know that you do. Heaven. It's worth any sacrifice necessary to make it our home. Paul said in Romans 8 verse 18, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. There is nothing in this world that ought to keep us from making the needed preparation to make heaven our home. Friend, you can't afford to miss it. This life is our proving ground. L-I-F-E. Live it for eternity. How sad. Johnny Ramsey, again, I reverenced him about the title of this lesson. But he said the saddest verse in the Bible is John 5.40. You wouldn't come to me that you might have life. Life is through the Lord. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6 verse 23. Are you prepared right now to go to heaven? If you were to die right now, if the Lord returned right now, would heaven be your home? Can you say what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1, and it be true of you? We know if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Do you realize your need of the Lord? A man's got to realize he's lost before he can ever be saved. Are you willing to respond the way the Lord asks us to respond? Of hearing His Word, believing it. Turning from sand, willing to confess that we believe that Jesus is God's Son, willing to be immersed in water for the remission of sins. And will you remain like we've talked about in these four days? Will you overcome? Will you be, oh, I'm not talking about, the Bible doesn't demand sinless perfection, but it requires loyalty. Remain faithful till you die, till the Lord comes back. There might be a precious soul here at this very hour. The Lord says, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Near its conclusion, the Bible says, whosoever will, let him come and take of the water of life freely. There's a stranger at the door. We often sing, will you let him in? Is there a precious soul here today that needs to render obedience to the gospel or to be restored to your first love? Don't you want to go to heaven? Right now, as we are, every one of us should be able to walk out of this building and say, it's well with my soul. If death comes or the Lord returns, for me to live as Christ but to die or for His return would be the greatest gain ever. And if you're here and you can't say that, Why not come to the Lord who loves you and who will run to meet you as together we stand and as we sing.